We've all heard it before. It's who you know. Welcome to Social Capital, a weekly podcast that dives into social relationships and why the investment you put into them is so important. Your host, Lori Hybe, will connect with industry-leading professionals and dive into their networking experiences and expert advice. Hey, everybody. Lori Hybe here. Welcome to the Social Capital Podcast. Our show notes are found at socialcapitalpodcast.com. If you'd like to get more involved in the conversation, join our Facebook group at Social Capital Network, a community of trust, reciprocity, and relationships. You can also connect with me on LinkedIn. This week's guest is Kate Payne. Kate Payne works with executives, entrepreneurs, and professionals to develop their brand and share their stories, which differenti- differentiates them from their competition in the marketplace. She's an expert on using LinkedIn as a powerful personal branding tool and discovering an individual's story, which makes her expertise unique in the world of online promotion. Kate volunteers her time training members of the U.S. Special Forces how to use LinkedIn as they transition out of their military career. Kate, welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Lori. It's great to be here. I'm very excited to have you here as well. As you've possibly heard when I interview past uh, marketing professionals, that's just one of my favorite peeps to connect with just because I know I can talk for hours. (laughs) Of course, we could, couldn't we? (laughs) Um, but let's dive into what you do a little bit. Um, so personal branding is a space that you support in LinkedIn. Can you discuss um, when when you discuss or talk about identifying your personal brand? What does that look like and why is it so important to know what your personal brand is? Well, the personal brand piece is really something that you sort of need to self-identify with. I think a lot of people, when they hear the term personal brand or personal branding, I think they have this notion that they're going to go around and like, you know, sort of like shake someone's hand and say, hi, you know, I'm Kate Payne and my personal brand is, and you fill in the blank. And that's not what it is at all. <laughs> the The personal brand is really, it's similar to, you know, that other marketing term we love, Lori. It's like, you, you know, your unique selling proposition or your ne- unique value proposition. Mm-hmm. Except I prefer the, pers- the term personal brand because I think that when you're thinking of um, a platform like LinkedIn, a lot of people see LinkedIn as a quote unquote personal branding platform. So it's, it's, it's a way for you to kind of consider your expertise. Um, your personal brand is essentially your reputation and your reputation is made up of your values and your integrity, certainly your, certainly your professional expertise. And so really understanding your personal brand and how you're going to message that like via your personal LinkedIn profile is, is really important. Um, and so then I add a component to that, which is personal story, which helps make your personal brand um, more personalized and, and really true to who you are and helps you sort of create that um, that unforgettable feeling in someone's mind when they meet you because they know your brand, they know your story and you're now more unforgettable, you know, so they'll remember you going forward. So um, I'm going to pick that apart a little bit. Okay. And part of it is for my own personal enrichment here. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I, I'm the type of person that's like, let's, here's all the facts. That's my storytelling approach. And right. I, I don't really want, it's not that I don't want to, I feel awkward telling the world my story. Mm -hmm. And so how do you help people get overcome that? So that's 
That's sort of like my, my niche. That's sort of my superpower is um, mm-hmm. I pull from my, my journalism, marketing and PR background. And really um, when I interview a, a person I'm working with, I really kind of go back to, all right, so how did you get it? Why did you want to become a realtor? Or why did you go into the military and then decide to get out of the military and go into being a financial advisor? Uh-huh. So it's like, there's this little nugget and I call it like a, a nugget of your personal story that you can kind of identify and um, write about in like a short paragraph. So it's not the story from the standpoint of like this sort of long bio, you know, dirty laundry kind of thing. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's like you're taking this little slice of life story or that story nugget. And so, for example, when I have people kind of identify what that might be is um, when you when you literally look at your LinkedIn profile, I want that to really stand out in the about section, which used to be the summary. And that's the most read section of one's profile. So for example, um, on my profile, I start out with like the first line is I was an avid news junkie in eighth grade. And then I go into like my internship at CBS News and I, then I kind of say, and I learned how to become a storyteller and now I help people find their own. So it's like I've taken that nugget and I've also um, made it relevant to what I do now Sure. So that then sort of tying it all together. And it's not like this all about my story thing. You know, it's just, it's just a little slice of life. Um, a lot of people, when they start their about section in their LinkedIn profile, they don't really know what to do. And so some people either ignore it and don't have one there at all, which is not good. Or they start off with like, I've been in the digital marketing world for 15 years doing blah, blah, blah. <laughs> you know, and that's, that's kind of, there's nothing wrong with that, but it's sort of formulaic and it's what everybody else does. So if you figure out what that little story nugget is of yours, um, you know, you can really use that as an introduction and really hook your reader in to want to learn more about you. Yeah, most definitely. Um, I can see how that can be extremely beneficial, especially because your, your bio, regardless of how much text you put in, it's that first sentence that is going to capture someone's attention. Exactly. I mean, when you go to anybody's LinkedIn profile, when you first come to their profile, LinkedIn only shows you the first two or three lines of their about section. And then there's like this little see more link. Mm -hmm. And of course, what you want to do is hook them in to want to click on that see more link. And so if those that first line isn't compelling, you know, you could be missing an opportunity for them to want to learn more about you. So that's why I kind of have that hook them in with that nugget of your story piece. Love it. Um, Let's talk about some of the new features that LinkedIn has rolled out. What what do you think is one of the best features that they've come out with recently? Well, their whole user interface has changed and it didn't change drastically, but it's very white. (laughs) Um, It's looking very much like Facebook and Twitter. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm not real thrilled about that. I liked that LinkedIn had a little bit of like aesthetic uh, structure. Um, But but some of the new things I like, they've actually really, um, their privacy and settings is probably one of their biggest changes. And um, it's, it's so you can make your user experience much more the way you want it to be. Because a lot of people, when they're on LinkedIn, especially if they don't use it a lot, they're like, all I do is get these annoying notifications. And, you know, you can go in and really create the user experience you want. So they created more privacy and settings, which makes that much that user experience much more the way you want it to be. Mm-hmm. So I do like that. Um, they also came out with stories. 
Um, and some people are finding really great engagement with stories. I still haven't wrapped my head around stories on LinkedIn because I barely wrapped my head around it on Instagram and Facebook. <laughs> I'm with um, you there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if it's funny, I know you asked me like, what's my favorite now I'm telling you kind of the opposite. <laughs> but, <laughs> That's okay. But, um, well, stories on LinkedIn, to me, stories is really something that just belongs on Facebook and Instagram. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I mean, what are you going to do in the course of your business day that's going to be so particularly exciting that you want to throw it out there for 24 hours? So I haven't wrapped my head around that. I've tested it. Um, and it's kind of gotten like, you know, average engagement. But you know what? Just because LinkedIn or any platform creates a new feature doesn't mean you have to use it. You know, I mean, again, you should always be utilizing these features um, if they're aligned with your, your personal brand and your, and your efforts on, on social media. Right. Um, yeah. And the goals you're trying I, to achieve at the end of the day, ultimately. Exa- exactly. The one thing I love the most on LinkedIn right now, the new thing is the featured block. And I think it's completely rolled out to everybody. Um, it's on your personal profile page and you don't see it there if you haven't taken any kind of online asset and made it a featured uh, link. So um, if you want to like feature a post you just wrote in the feed, if you wanted to feature maybe a LinkedIn article that you've done on the publishing platform, if you wanted to link to anything on a website anywhere on the internet, or if you wanted to upload like an infographic or a PDF, you now have this really great featured block and it creates this really big visual block in the middle of your otherwise sort of, um, you know, text heavy profile page. And you can literally, you can, you can put up as many links as you want. Some people have put up like 60, but it's like this side scrolling thing. So I, I don't advise that. Mm-hmm. So I, I put in like four to six things in that featured section and you can change them as you go. Um, but it's a way to get targeted eyes on something. And it's finally something LinkedIn did where you can literally click on that, that piece of content in the featured block and it will take you directly to that online asset. Yeah. Whereas before you could have up to three websites like in your contact information and you still can, but when you click there, you got, it's a two click process to get to the final thing. Sure. So, and it's just a way to um, really get eyes, targeted eyes on something you really want people to see when they're on your profile page. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Um, That was a great reminder for our listeners to take a look at that section because it is really powerful. And I love how you pointed out that it's heavy text, but this is an area to, to make it visually pleasing and really put some eye candy there to make someone take action. I mean, you can re- put a really powerful call to action. There, oh, can't you? oh, you can. I mean, I have some like evergreen type content up there. So like I have a video of me that talks about what I do in my business that doesn't change. Um, but then like, if I have a post that I put up last week, like a long form post about something, you know, I can throw it into featured. I'll keep it up there for like a week and I'll take it down and I'll put something else in. So, um, yeah, it's, I, to me, it's really a game changer, I think. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, thank you for sharing yeah. that. So the purpose of this show is really to focus on networking and help yes. our listeners um, remove any fear that they have or really maximize their activities around networking. So can you share with our listeners uh, one of your most successful or favorite networking experiences that you've had? Sure. Um, boy, Gosh, there's a lot. Um, 
One or two. Well, actually, there's one I just had today. I just had one today, actually. So, you know, we all know what influencers are, right? And LinkedIn, mm-hmm. actually, you know, long before they opened up publishing to the average user, there were a lot of linked, quote unquote, LinkedIn influencers out there, like the Richard Bransons and the Ariana Huffingtons of the world, right? Yeah. Um, and so now anybody can be a so-called influencer on LinkedIn. You know, they can, there's, there's, um, they're rolling out newsletters, which is a subscription thing. They're certainly still in beta with LinkedIn Live. You do have to apply for it, but there's all kinds of ways that you can now become an influencer. So anyway, I'm part of a, um, a virtual summit that's going on this week. It's called the LinkedIn Lead Generation Summit. And the woman that's putting it on is a woman from Australia, um, Kate uh, Hoare-Lacey is her name. And so she got 21 speakers to share some lead generation tips of which one I'm one of the speakers, but one of the speakers, the primary uh, sort of keynote, if you will, is an, um, a New York times bestselling author. Perhaps you've heard of him, Dave Kirpin. Hmm. Okay. He's written um, the art of people cool. and he's written some other books about um, a social media in general. So he's really well known. Anyway, he did his, his video today and I was watching the recording this morning and I thought, well, I'll go in and see if I can connect with him. You know, somebody who's got almost a million followers, it's really hard to have a meaningful networking conversation. And so he, he was actually sharing some of his best practices. And so I actually took his advice, went into LinkedIn, I followed him on, on his profile. And then I found a way to send him an email. And I very rarely do that. And I sent him a very nice message saying, we're, you know, you're the keynote. I'm, I'm one of the speakers. Um, I've read your book would really love to be connected here, uh, you know, and I just kind of gave a little, a little blurb about, um, you know, what my talk will be about. I didn't try to sell him, pitch him, anything. And within five minutes, he accepted my request and wrote me a really nice note. And so um, you just never know, you know, it's just, you just, you just never know when you got to try um, and find ways to kind of do some work around sometime. Yeah, I love that. I love that you just went for it. Um, and you start a dialogue. Yeah. That, I mean, and then, you know, and then I ran out into the living room because we're all work from home and I'm like, Oh my God, Dave Kirpin just accepted my, <laughs> my, my LinkedIn invitation. And it's like, you know, um, it's just kind of exciting. And he, and he took the time to write a quick note back. So that was nice. That's awesome. Um, that's a great story. I love that you shared that. So, um, you know, Regardless of the size of our network and how many people are in our community, it's extremely important to nurture these relationships. How do you best stay in front of or nurture these relationships? I am so glad you brought that up because I've been doing this now for nearly six years. um, And LinkedIn is really like my, you know, my platform of choice. Mm -hmm. Even though I work on with the foundational work on personal branding, LinkedIn's like my tool of choice. Um, And I, I do not have a lot of connections. And that's totally by design. I'm actually one of those people that truly wants to make connections with people on LinkedIn, um, where I feel like when I'm serving them and connecting with them and nurturing them, that I want to feel like that that circle is um, not small, but just more intimate, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. And so I'm not one of these people that connects with every single person just to build up my numbers. You know, I care more about my numbers, if you will, on Facebook and Instagram. And even then, I, I don't worry about it as much. But on LinkedIn, I really want those connections to be um, uh, just more intimate. 
And I feel like even though I don't have the multiple thousands, um, you know, I'll get there at some point, but I also feel like I'm walking the talk because I teach my, the people I work with the same thing, you know, don't just accept an invitation just because you want to get your numbers up there. Um, you know, and there's a lot of people that are using LinkedIn who are spamming and I don't want those people in my network either. Oh goodness. No. Oh, it's like running <laughs> rampant on LinkedIn, you know? Oh, um, I, I know. <laughs> yeah. You know, if you don't mind, Lori, I'll just make a quick comment to your listeners is that what a lot of people don't realize is that when you get that connection invitation request and they're trying to sell you immediately before you've even accepted or ignored it, um, those people, 99% of those people are using third-party apps that are automated, that are sending out these blanket requests. And people need to know that these third-party apps go against LinkedIn's terms of service. And LinkedIn is cracking down on them. And they're finding that people are doing this and they're shutting people's accounts down. So, um, you know, this is, this, is a, this is basically a sign that LinkedIn is still in sort of a way where you still have to like manually make connections. And that's the way it should be because that's the way you build relationships in real life too. Totally. I agree yeah. with that a hundred percent. So I hope you don't mind digressing there for a moment. That totally. was a public service okay, announcement. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. You know, it's interesting. I had a gentleman on the show not too long ago who has some AI technology built to build your uh, following on LinkedIn. So mm-hmm. Um, you should listen to that episode. I think you might find it interesting, but I would love to, I would, um, I mean, I did challenge the question about, um, that specific thing, you know, how do you build a relationship if it's automated? Right. You you can't, um, there's, there's no relationship being, being had at that point. Um, but I do take the approach of, I try to actually connect with as many people as I possibly can. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've, I was more in your world for a little bit of, yeah. I only want to connect with people. I actually, I actually have met on some level. Mm-hmm. Um, but I decided um, my, my goal and objective changed where right. I want to get my message out there to as many people as possible. So um, I took a different approach, but I am, there are some people I won't connect with. Well, I should, I should clarify what I said. So it's not that I'm only connecting with people I know. I'm not saying that at all. Um, and I'm sorry if I came across like that. It's just that I'm judicious about who I'm connecting with because I'm kind of thinking whenever somebody sends me a connection request, I sort of have like my own little personal filter. Like, is mm-hmm. this somebody who is, you know, who's going to be, um, a, a, a nice addition to my network. Like, am I going to learn from them and they can learn from me? Um, could this person be a potential client? That's certainly something I ask myself. Um, is this somebody that I'd want to have an offline conversation with, you know, whether on zoom or in person at a conference back when we get to do that someday. Um, and so I'm actually, I am connecting with people. I don't know for sure. It's just that I'm, I'm more, um, I'm more purposeful in, in doing it. And I think part of why I've become that way is because of all the, some of the spammy stuff that's going on. And since, you know, I live in the platform, I see so much of it that I guess I'm a little, a little gun shy from the spam. <laughs> <laughs> I can so I kind of walk that, that line. Huh? Totally. I can totally appreciate that. Yeah. But I'm not, but I'm not in any means saying don't, because if anybody, I always say like, don't just connect with you people, you know, because what's the point? You know, sure. you want to you want to build that network. You want to increase that. You know, you want the snowball effect in the best way. Mm-hmm. 
Well, exactly. And that that's part of the strategy or one of the many strategies that yeah. you can implement with LinkedIn. Yep. Um, so let's talk about building your network. What advice would you offer the business professional who is looking to grow their, their number of relationships that they have? Well, certainly, and I mean, this is true on every platform, and I know you would agree with me 100% on this, is you need to have a service mindset first. Mm-hmm. So when you are putting out content, you need to think of yourself as, and you, other, other LinkedIn people have said what I'm about to say, from a LinkedIn standpoint, you know, don't think of yourself as a resume, think of yourself as a resource. Okay. So when you are positioning yourself from the LinkedIn platform, you need to be seen as a resource. So whatever content you're putting out, put out everything you know about that topic, whatever it is, whatever world you're in, you know, share that stuff, share other people's content, uh, you know, reshare others content as well. If something aligns with you, um, put out videos, you know, put out some of your own promotional stuff too, but you know, back to that good old fashioned 80, 20 rule, 80% service and 20% maybe even if that of your own stuff here and there. Um, that's the best way you're going to serve, serve your people to build relationships and then lead to either a connection on LinkedIn, which then may lead to a transaction at some point, but always go into it with wanting to build the relationship and build the network first and nurture it by giving them really great content and, and serving them. I love that. And I agree a hundred percent with that. Um, I, I, I know right. we say, on, <laughs> well, I know we say that across the board. I mean, when we're putting out content for us, for ourselves or our businesses, our organizations, our nonprofits, um, you know, you don't want to just be talking about yourself all the time. Mm-mm. You know, you want to be talking about the expertise you have and, and that, and that should go the same for Instagram. It should go the same for, for Facebook and, even even Twitter in some cases, but it's just that each platform, as you and I know well, each has its own um, uh, style, if you will. I don't know what, what you know. They all have a different uh, demographic. They all have a different purpose. You know, Instagram's more visual. I mean, like I don't use Instagram a lot in my business because, first of all, the majority of my clients probably forty five and up. Um, some of those people are on Instagram, but they're on Instagram to have fun. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, Facebook and LinkedIn are really are, are, are what makes sense for me. And that's what everybody needs to think about is what are the channels that make sense for you and your um, target audience? Yeah, I agree 100 percent with that. Um, you can't just go on the channel because it's the hottest, latest thing out there. You have you, you should decide to be right. in channels where you where your audience is and where you want to grow an audience and a following or or just have a message to a specific group of individual individuals. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's all about knowing your audience. A hundred percent. That's a whole nother, a whole nother conversation. Oh right? yeah. We, we could talk about that one for a couple hours. I'm sure. <laughs> oh, let's get into buyer personas. <laughs> um, let's go back to your 20 year old self. What would you tell okay. yourself to do more of less of or differently with regards oh, what to a your great professional question. career? My 20-year-old self would have been a, uh, let's see, a junior in college, I think. My 20-year-old self. Um, I think I would have told myself to, to step forward more. You know, um, I was, at the time that I was 20, I was actually in college in New York City, um, and I'm from Vermont, so that was a ma- major culture shock. And I was interning at the CBS Evening News with, with Dan Rather. So I was in a pretty cool internship. 
And um, a lot of the people I had admired from journalists, you know, were literally walking through the building all the time. And I had to get away from being starstruck and, um, and really, you know, do the job. And I learned a lot, but I, I think I was a little too shy and I didn't, didn't speak up enough or um, ask questions enough. And so I think what I would have told myself back then is to, to step, to lean in, not, not, you know, lean in, step up, whatever, raise your hand, whatever you want to call it. Um, I certainly do that now. <laughs> and that's why I've, you know, gotten where I am and doing what I do in my business. I mean, it's been, it's been a major characteristic of what I need to do in my business. Sure. Yeah, that's definitely, um, I can see how that can be challenging, but something to, to want to reflect back on and say, it would be great if I, I wonder what could have happened if I spoke up more back then. Yeah. I mean, I think I allowed myself to be intimidated still too much. Um, You know, I think I still had that. I do. I think I had a little bit of a starstruck mindset. Sure. Um, And, you know, and here I was this like, you know, young woman from a little teeny tiny town in Vermont in the big city and um, a little pie eyed. <laughs> um, and so I didn't, I didn't ask much. I don't know. Did you, I, I don't know if, if you remember, do you remember back in the days, do you remember um, 60 minutes? There used to be a segment on 60 minutes years ago. It was in the eighties called on the road with Charles Kralt. I'm not going to remember that. I okay. Well, Charles Kralt, <laughs> for some of your listeners would, would remember, he used to do a show. It was a, a really um, game changer in the time. He used to literally drive around the country in like a, an RV and he would interview people, you know, in rural America. And it was called On the Road with Charles Kralt. So Charles Kralt was like one of my, my favorite journalists of the time. And I remember being in New York City on the elevator and he was on the elevator with me. And I remember standing there like going, oh my God, Charles Kralt's on the elevator. And I was like, should I, should I introduce myself? Like I'm just this little measly intern. And we both got off on the same floor. And I did, I said, I'm like, Mr. Kralt. I said, I just wanted to say hello. My name's, you know, Kate, Kate, well, my maiden name, and I'm, I'm from Vermont. And I just wanted to say, I've, you know, watched your show for years and he could not have been nicer. Um, and it was one of these like memorable moments of my, of my experience there. And he asked me about my, you know, cause I was in journalism school in New York at the time. And he actually said, he goes, well, when you get your senior thesis done for your documentary, you know, come find me. I'd love to see it. And I'm like, Oh, okay. Yeah. I never did that. (laughs) 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 I think he was just, I mean, I couldn't even imagine myself going over to his office and knocking on the door and going, you want to see my video? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's so fun though. Um, I I mean, at least you said something, right? I did. I did. That was one of the times. That was, that was one of the times I spoke up. Yep. Yeah. And you've got a story to share now. And we didn't have cell phones back then. So I think I ran to the nearest pay phone and called my parents at home in Vermont. (laughs) (laughs) That's even better. I love it. Oh, all right. So um, so we've all heard of the six degrees of separation. Who would be the one person that you would love to connect with? And do you think you could do it within the six degree? Um, Who I would love to connect with, like meet? Absolutely. Do you mean like via LinkedIn or just in general? In general. Oh boy. Wow. Um, I would absolutely, this is going to sound so trite. I would absolutely love to meet Ellen DeGeneres. Okay. Um, cool. I've followed her since she was on Carson, like when she was brand new mm-hmm. and, um, 
it's, I, I actually, I, from this, from the degrees of separation years ago in the um, late nineties, I worked at one of our state colleges here in Vermont at Johnson state college and Ellen DeGeneres' mother was on a speaking tour and she came and spoke at our campus. And so I met her mother and the reason she was speaking with speaking out was it was at the time that Ellen was um, coming out um, as a, as a gay woman. Sure. And her mom went around and told the story about how it was hard for her when she first learned, but how she came to be very accepting and loving of that. So um, I always felt like I had this little hint of closeness (laughs) to maybe someday meeting her. And if I ever did, I could say, Oh, I met your mother. Not many people could say that. (laughs) Not that her mother would remember who the heck I was, but anyway, that was kind of a, that's the only thing that kind of comes to mind, I guess. That's fun. Um, So What's holding you back from trying to make that happen? Um, I guess you just, you look at that, somebody like that and you're like, they're so, they're so well-known. They're so big. You know, they've got so many people around them. You know, I mean, it's sort of like Oprah-esque, right? Same kind of a thing that there's just, you know, no way that would, would ever happen. You know, I'm always, I always joke when I used to be in the PR world, I was be like, Oh, we're going to get you on, on Ellen's couch, you know? And, uh, and, and be interviewed. And I, I did try a couple times and I did not succeed. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> but you tried. So I, I did try. Yes, I did try. For sure. Yep. Um, all right. I'm going to give you the opportunity to interview me. What's something that you'd like to ask me? Okay. Um, well, let me flip that question on you. Who is somebody that you would like to meet within those six degrees of separation? Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> You know, I've been asked, I've been, you're not the first one to do this. But oh, okay. All right. I never, I don't have a good answer yet. Um, yeah, I'm fascinated with Gary Vee. I think he does some amazing stuff. He's, he was definitely way ahead of his time. He, he is um, and was, yes. Yes. And, 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 um, but he does make himself open to, to allowing people to reach out to him. And I, and so I, I question like, well, why haven't I, but then I don't know what to ask him. <laughs> I know. I think that's where we get stuck. It's sort of uh-huh. like, well, sure. I'm not like, I'm not afraid to do it, but I'm like, what would I do? <laughs> I would just like to sit and listen. <laughs> right. Right. Um, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, it, there's so many fascinating people and, and the digital world has really allowed everyone to be closer, even though we're farther apart physically right now. I mean, you, you listen to podcasts, you read, um, blogs and newsletters and watch live streams and you just kind of feel connected to that individual. Um, exactly. It's yeah. Um, you know, I'm going to jump on a webinar here shortly, um, with Warren Buffett. Oh, cool. (laughs) Kind of like, starstruck in that sense, but I'm just in, and before, um, so it's through 10,000 small businesses, which is, um, part of Goldman Sachs. Uh, I'm an alumni of that program. And part of me being able to do this, I was able to submit a question to him and I'm like, Oh, I ask Warren Buffett. Um, like, what would you ask him? So I I just feel that I I don't even know what I would ask him. You know what I mean? 
I'd have to really noodle on that one. You know, it's interesting though, when you mentioned Gary V, I do think we in the digital marketing world actually have the opportunity to meet some of these people because again, when we get back into in-person events someday, you know, there's so many wonderful digital marketing conferences or similar types of conferences that go on all around the country who get these really great speakers that, um, you know, if you show up early into a room or you stay late or you tweet somebody before they're going to speak, um, that's actually how I've met some of the biggest keynote speakers at events over the years. I've purposely made that um, a mission of mine. In fact, I, I spoke at, a, at an event in Vegas at an event called PubCon a few years ago, and Peter Shankman was one of the keynotes. You know who Peter Shankman is? Yes. Okay. Yeah. He's the one that started um, Harrow, Help a Reporter Out. Yep. 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 Um, anyway, I tweeted him like two days before he was going to speak. He responded. I sent him a DM saying, is there any chance we could meet that I was going to be at PubCon? He said, yep, come to the room, you know, 20 minutes before I talk. I did. He was there. We did. A, I interviewed him um, on, a, uh, on my phone and posted it. And I asked him if I could post it later. And I just, it was like a three minute little interview. So I think that in some ways, we're positioned to meet some of these people because I think most people who are in that world are very open to wanting to meet like their quote unquote, you know, followers from social sure. media. Yeah, absolutely. Totally get that. And so like meeting somebody like Gary V for you could totally happen. Uh, yeah, I believe that. Yeah. hundred <laughs> percent. Versus like, you know, me with Ellen. <laughs> I mean, there's it's a diff- where there's a will, there's a way. You exactly. Know, I, I'm going right. to say that. You can't just give up hope. You're um, right. But you know, when people are celebrities like that, it's, and they've got bodyguards and all that, there's just a whole, there's like, there's like a whole channel, you know, they're kind of protected. There's Whereas a, I think the social media marketing people are just more out there. Correct. And avail- more, they're more accessible. Yep. Yep. I would, I would agree with that. Yeah. So, so we're in the right profession. <laughs> Indeed. Um, all right. Do you have any final word or advice to offer our listeners with regards to growing and supporting your network? Um, you know, I keep it real. I think that's why I, that my use of personal story is really resonates with people is, you know, I think a lot of people when it comes to LinkedIn think they just need to show their professional side and you absolutely do, but also don't be afraid to like let people peek behind the curtain a little bit and see who you are as a whole person. Um, you know, speak when you write in your LinkedIn profile, you know, speak and present yourself in the first person in a conversational tone. You know, don't do the typical, some people still using like third person, you know, bio, um, speaking about themselves in the third person in their profile. And that's, that's not a way to try to connect with people, you know, be who you are in real life as you would also, you know, be that on LinkedIn as you would be in real life so that people get the real you. So keep it, keep it real. You don't have to go into the nitty gritty. But, you know, be authentic and and be relatable. I think that's so important. I think it's extremely powerful. And and people can read through that. You know, they can read it. They can hear it. If you're not being you, I mean, it's harder to be someone else, right? Exactly. So why exert that energy unnecessarily? Right. Agreed. Fantastic. Well, Kate, if anyone was interested in getting in contact with you, what is the best way that they can reach you? Well, they can certainly find me on LinkedIn under Kate Payne and it's P-A-I-N-E is how you spell my last name. Um, Or you can visit my website at standingoutonline.com. You can email me at kate at standingoutonline.com. Any of those will work. 
Fantastic. We'll include all that information in our show notes. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you so much, Lori. I'll have to get you on my coffee with Kate sometime. Absolutely. I would love to be on that. All right. Sounds good. (laughs) This wraps up our episode of Social Capital. A huge thank you to Kate for taking the time to connect with us. If you want to keep the conversation going, join our Facebook group. Look for Social Capital Network. If you need me, send me an email at lori at socialcapitalpodcast.com. Otherwise, we'll see you next week. That's all for this episode of the Social Capital Podcast. Visit socialcapitalpodcast.com for show notes, more episodes, and to see who will be on the show next. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next episode.